Ladies and gentlemen, the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass is in effect. I'm Steve Kim, joined by my host, Mario Milly Vanilli. Lopez, yes, you know it's true. Good doc coming out, huh? <laughs> We're going to get into that later. You know what I do, though? I never blame it on the rain. Okay, this is so corny right there. I apologize. I'm a little under the weather, so corniness of Kimster is rubbing <laughs> off on me. Uh, won't rub off on the podcast, so shout out to uh, Smoking Tim Frazier and Tino. Tino. on the edits. All right, the bout sheet for this particular show. It was Forum Fury, and then it's farewell to Jorge Linares. Ask Mario and final flurries. Before we get started, we just want you to know... This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes away from downtown L.A. Hey, check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they're giving away tons of cash. Beat the stadium traffic and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. Also, shout out and big thanks to our sponsor, neighbor right here in Hollywood, Scout Micro LA. They offer a unique and innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a treatment called SMP. It restores and replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing tiny particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. It's very real. looks very authentic. You can see results in as little as one treatment. They can restore your hairline, make your hair look a little thicker, more dense. Also, camouflage any burns or a skin condition that you may have. They use the highest qualities a lot of happy customers out there. So if you're going bald or if you're just looking for a new look this summer, hit up our homies over at Scout Micro LA. Mention this ad for a free console. If you're getting thin, he'll help fill you in. All right, let's get started this past weekend. From the forum, On the Zone, brought to you by Golden Boy Promotions, welterweights in action. Giovanni Santiano with a dominant sixth-round knockout over Alexis Rocha. Mario coming into this fight. It was all set for Rocha. Four-to-one favorite. OC's in the house. Golden Boy Promotions was starting to make a move with you. But as they say from the words of the late, not late, but the great Larry Merchant, it's why you fight the fights. Yeah, don't put Larry in the yeah, grave yet. Yeah, rest in peace. I love, or not rest in peace. Yeah. I love me yeah. some Larry. We don't want him to yeah. rest in peace yet. We were just talking about how Rocha has been very busy. He has been not only active, but looked like he's improved in every fight. My guy, Giovanni, which by the way, great name, great name, from San Diego too, came in here and what did it say about best laid plans? Just threw a monkey wrench in everything. To me, this is one of my favorite fights of the year, and I'm going to tell you why. Mm. Because of the things, both both men fought um, with a lot of valor and intensity. They went in there, Kimster, and from the first bell, there was no feeling out. There were these two Mexicans that went down and just started throwing chingasos, an old-fashioned Donnie Brook. No feeling out. By the end of the first round, I don't know if his nose was broken, but it was certainly mm. bloody. Alex Rocha knew he had his hands full. Two southpaws just going at it. I was supposed to be at this fight. I had to work, unfortunately, and I am so mad that I missed it because it looked like a fun event. People that were there said it was great. Major upset. I believe he was a 4-1 to one underdog, which was a little surprising considering he was still 31-0 and 0, and I believe 16 or 17 knockouts. I know his last couple outings, he didn't look like the heavy-handed slugger that he showed to be this past Saturday, but man, did he rise to the occasion. Just hard shots from the get came in and just uh, uppercuts, hooks, all power punches, inside fighting. 
and it kept getting more intense as the rounds went on. I don't necessarily think Giovanni was that much better than Rocha from a technical standpoint or or more fundamentally sound. They were almost mirrors of each other. He just seemed to beat him to the punch. And when he got him there, he seemed to have the heavier hands. Honestly, it wasn't like I saw a master technician. They were like two guys who were mirrors of each other, but one just had heavier hands and was a little slicker with his defense. Rocha looked like he got in a car accident by the time the sixth round was over. Giovanni looked like he just got out of the shower and shaved. It was an exciting fight. It was an all-out brawl. My guy was so composed from the first round to the end. Robert Garcia really has taken this kid who is not known for, for being a slugger or for laying down beatdowns like this. And has done a masterful job in making him look incredibly dangerous. We made a statement and we've got a player in the welterweight division. Tip of the hat to Rocha kept fighting, got off the canvas twice. I'm glad they stopped it when it did. We want to see him live to fight another day. But it was an exciting fight. Man, one of my favorite fights this year because as long as it lasted those six rounds... Mm. It was exciting. It, it it had me afterwards. Like I was like, I want to talk about it. I was fired up. I really uh, enjoyed that fight. Uh, enjoyed that fight. Both fighters. I did a great job. But be a Giovanni man. Wow. And San Diego boy. I got to find out exactly from where. But um, really, really uh, made a statement. I think this fight boiled down to one key element. One guy could hurt each other. The other guy couldn't. It really was that mm-hmm. simple. And Santiago from the very beginning, there was no feel out. As he said, he started backing him up. And Orocha, I, I, I do wonder if him and his trainer manager, Hector Lopez, if they had it to do over again after round one would say, okay, you know what? Let's take a walk around the park. Mm. Let's slow down the action and let's quicken our pace with our feet, but slow down the action. Because if he wasn't getting hurt with the left hand, he was getting hurt with the right. Oh, he threw that right hook about six, seven times, especially towards the end, too. You're, ex- you're exactly right. And then it was the uppercuts down the middle. And then look, Rocha tried to rally. But punch resistance and the way you react to punches, it absolutely matters. Talk about the impact of Robert Garcia. I, I have actually seen Giovanni Santian from the beginning of his career. It was actually developed at first by Thompson Boxing and was steadily developed and then was signed to a co-promotional deal with Top Rank. There was a thought that Santian's progress had kind of stalled out and they brought him over to the RGBA. Talking to some of the people behind the scenes, they believe that the real impact is that at the RGBA, you can get sparring six days a week at the world-class level Mm. that simply is not available to you in San Diego. And that's it. You're exactly right. And that means a world of difference. If you're a guy that's willing to put into work, dedicate yourself, be disciplined and get in there. You will grow leaps and bounds. In individual sports, at any sort of combat sports, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's boxing, you need your counterpart to sharpen you and get you better. Because, yeah, that was a different kind of fighter in there. Very confident, dangerous uh, slugger is what I saw from Santiago. Yeah, you could say it's by osmosis. Sometimes if you're around superior craftsmen, you start to rise to that level. Right. Okay, so the one thing about Santiago, I'll never forget, during the bubble era of top rank, he fought Antonio DeMarco, a blown-up lightweight at the very end. And there's a lot of people that think he didn't win that fight. In fact, he was very hesitant, Mm -hmm. very tentative, and I'm thinking, let your hands go. He's a crafty guy, DeMarco, though. But you know what, though? In this fight, he said, I'm going to take the lead here. We're not going to put our punches on layaway, and I am going to take command. And Mario, you talk about the bloody nose. I'm not so sure it was a broken nose, but there's no doubt that that was very symbolic. I actually think, 
I don't want to say desperation set into the mind of Rocha early, but I do think there was some doubt. To get bloodied right off the bat, that psychologically, we don't know what that does to a fighter inside that ring. There was no feel-out round, no gauging of distance, and they were both southpaws. They don't... you. I don't care what kind of quality sparring you're, you're getting. You're not going to see. There's only so many southpaws. Yeah. Okay. And I'm sure they had to split the partners, yeah. being that they're both in Southern California right here. I think he probably felt, in the camp of Rocha, probably felt the need to really have to perform because they were in their hometown. This was a showcase for him. They wanted to make a statement. Well, Santian had uh, di- different plans. And therefore, I don't think they pause to sort of reflect and change the game plan a little bit uh, much to the detriment of the outcome but look I don't I don't uh, Rocha he's been having a heck of a year obviously didn't end it on the note that he wanted to but I think he needs a nice long rest because it was a very physical fight and he says he'll be back and I like that kid and I hope to see him back as for Santillan if you take a look at the big picture at 147 look the time with Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford is at the very, very tail end, if not over. Right. So there's a very good chance there are four open vacant belts. Yes. This particular title was the NABO, which is the junior title of the WBO, which is very connected to top rank. You could put one plus one together and you know the math, but Santion now goes to the front of the line for at least a shot with the WBO sooner rather than later. Based on that performance, he deserves it. I yeah. want to see him fight again. I want to see him I fight see again. I want to see that version again. Exactly. That I think version. that, I, well, that version worked out so well for him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to take a step back from that. So that was a nice little, sometimes it is the atmosphere. Sometimes it is the trainer. They seem to be working, Garcia and Santiago. All right. And earlier that day from Liverpool, UK, on the zone, Jack Catterall with a clear-cut 12-round decision over Jorge Linares, 116-112. Two times, 117-111. Look, we want to give credit to Catterall. He's one of the very best crafty 140-pounders. In my view, you could actually say he's the champion because I think he beat Josh Taylor in February of 2022. You know what? On this occasion, I want to deliver a bouquet of FTDs to the great Jorge Linares who said, it's it, it's over, Uh, I am going to retire. What a distinguished, colorful, fun career. Jorge... Linares might be one of the prettiest fighters I think I've ever seen. I've ever seen, and I say that in the sense that he put his punches together in such a poetic fashion. Oh, it's intricate! It was Wasn't intricate. It? Oh. And the way he dances around, he was so light on his feet. He was graceful in there, very Loma esque. When they both fought each other, it was like Barishnikov. <laughs> Against Gregory Hines, right? Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to use that reference, and it was beautiful to watch. And even in his last fight, which he says it's his last fight, he looked good, Kim. It wasn't like I saw a guy that lost too much of a step or no longer um, can put those combinations together. He went up against one of the better um, fighters in the division. Some may think even the champion. And I thought he looked good. It wasn't enough, but I thought he looked good. So I'd rather him get out a little too early than to have a severe beat down. The one thing I will say about Linares is every fight he's been in, minus this one, (laughs) ironically, he's either dropped his opponent or has had his opponent hurt. He's had moments in every big fight against every high caliber fighter. If he hasn't won them, then he's done both of those things. Case in point with Devin Haney, Mm. I think in the 10th round when he had him hurt. Um, was a great moment. You never know. Loma too. He had him drop. So, and these are against high level uh, champions here. So, Linares, one of my favorites to watch. 
Uh, champion, and I, I pause because you almost think Hall of Fame career, no, mm. right below the borderline almost, Hall right? Hall of very good. You, Hall of very good, but he's great, if that makes sense. Yes. He's great, but Hall of very good. I remember we both talked about it when he first came on the scene and he was sparring with Manny Pacquiao. Man, that was probably at his peak physically. He looked incredible. You don't want to ever say who won or anything, but... Because it's sparring, but man, he gave him fits, and those were just like two little whirlwinds, tornadoes Mario, in there. He was 19 years old. I'll never forget this. So when Manny was still working out in the upstairs portion yeah. of Wildcard, <laughs> and McAfee says, "Steve, there's this Venezuelan kid. He's giving Manny fits." And I go, "What's his name?" He goes, "I think it's Linares or something." But Rudy Hernandez is is his trainer or he's a chaperone. 15 minutes later, Rudy Hernandez walks in. I get said, Rudy, who's this kid you're bringing? Oh, Jorge Linares. He's like 19, 20 years old. He goes, Steve, he's dynamic. So I go over to Freddie. And Dynamic's I said, a great word. And I said, Freddie, uh, do you mind if I watch sparring? And he said, yeah, sure. Go ahead, stick around. And all I'm going to say is this, and you're right, nobody wins sparring. And the one thing about Manny, he never bullied sparring partners. No. He was always a better real fighter than right. gym fighter. Which honestly which you want to do. <laughs> but you knew early on that this was a gifted kid. It was almost ballet like. That's what I said. It yeah. was elegant. It was beautiful. It was aesthetically pleasing. And I believe that he's one of the most fantastically gifted boxer punchers I've ever seen. But what made it fun was he was also gifted and also cursed. He was this close from greatness because what held him back Punch resistance. Can you imagine if he had a, like a Chavez like. We're gym. talking all time great. All time, all time great. great. That's why I'm saying he's a great fighter with a very good career. Yes, that's fair to say, right? Yeah, I mean he's almost uh, to me. If he like, was like, not to compare, and I'm sorry to compare, like Amir Khan, another I, one, another one, sort of not as, not as 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 maybe athletically gift, gifted as Lenoris, but quick hands. Great snappy punches can put those combinations together beautifully, but again with the punch resistance. So it's it's like walk walk on the tightrope. No, I used to call him a Willenda brother. Yes, because he would be out there on that tightrope, five thousand feet up <laughs> in the air. There's no safety net, and that's what made it so like appealing as yes. a viewer because you don't know what's gonna happen. He could be pitching a perfect game and yep. give up the ten run home run, and I still remember him falling apart late. After looking like just one of the greatest fighters ever for nine and a half, ten rounds against Antonio DeMarco, and then he looks like a blood donor to the Red Cross, and right. they wave off the fight. And I to this that. day, I've always said, wait a minute, if he's actually fighting well, I don't care if he looks like a sissy Spacek in that one movie, Carrie, right. at the end of that homecoming. And then he had a tune-up bout where they're going to do the rematch in Mexico. He's he's a hundred to one favorite, gets knocked out by Sergio Thompson. And at that point, Golden Boy wanted to dispose of him, but it was Robert Diaz, the matchmaker at the point, who said, you know what, let's try to rescue this. And the fact that he had chapters to his career, and he had rebirths over and over again. And he'd go to Japan. And, and he'd, he'd go to the himself. England yes. to fight Anthony Carolla. Right. And guys like that, and, and Kevin Mitchell, in some great fights, mm -hmm. he made some real money. But Linares, to me, and I, I've, I've said this before, he's like a chandelier. Never seen a chandelier? <clears throat> Hangs real nice. Sparkly, shiny, bright. It just looks beautiful. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Do not jostle it. Handle it with care. But even when it's all shattered, still looks kind of good. Still looks kind of kind of like, wow, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. But unfortunately, but I have a question. It's always a debate in boxing. Is the chin the last thing you need to be really good or the first thing you need? Depends on the rest of your skill set. If, you're, if you put them all... Out on the table, speed, strength, 
chin, athletic ability. A chin can save you a lot, but it doesn't. I don't know if you'll necessarily win fights because of your chin, but sometimes you will. But look, if you can have the combination, a little bit of it's not everyone's going to have the Chavez iron like chin, yeah. right? But he didn't even have. He was on a mere con level, yeah, with with his chin. The vulnerability, the vulnerability, but man, that athletic ability. I would have maybe given up a little of athletic ability, athletic ability to, to to have a little bit more punch resistance if if yeah, given choice. Yeah, durability is important at that world class level. Yeah, so Jorge Linares is thirty eight years old. He will finish with a career mark of forty seven to nine. 29 knockouts. And Mario, given the fact that you called him a beautiful boxer, <laughs> that, that is one sexy man. I mean, so I think he has a career in media, in television. He always treated people very nice. He's one of the He's nicest gentleman. guys. I He's a real gentleman. Him. And guess what? His English is improving. Oh, great. So I would hope that the next chapter of his life really does begin now. Because I always thought after the Haney fight, he went to Russia. I got knocked out late. I thought that should have been the last fight, but yeah. I think him and his handlers wanted to see, can we make one last title run to get to the Hall of Fame? Look, they didn't make it, but I could say this. It was an honorable, fun, colorful career. Nothing to be ashamed of. And it was an honorable way to go out. Yes. So, all right, so that's it for round one of the three knockdown rule on UFC Fight Pass. When we come back, uh, more with fight preview and news and notes and Ask Mario and Final Flurries. Shout out to our boy Oscar Lopez, no relation, from Scalp Micro LA. His company offers a unique and very innovative hair loss solution for men. They specialize in a pigmentation known as SMP. Basically, it replicates the exact shape and size of hair follicles by tattooing little particles of pigment into the scalp, giving the illusion of hair. Don't trip. It's actually very realistic. You can see the results in as little as one treatment. They create and restore hairlines, give the appearance of density to thinning hair. So if it's starting to go, it'll look a little thicker. If you're going bald or you're just looking for a new uh, look this summer, check out our homies over at Scout Micro LA and mention this ad for a free consult. This podcast is sponsored by Hustler Casino, located in Gardena, California, just 20 minutes from downtown L.A. Check out the latest promo, So Fine Sundays, where they're giving away tons of cash, beat the stadium traffic, and play your favorite games at Hustler Casino. For more info, go to HustlerCasino.com. And we're back on the Three Knockdown Rule. And ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get involved with the Three Knockdown Rule and sponsor our show, we still have some slots available. Please reach out to us by emailing to info at boxbid.io. Once again, that's info at boxbid.io. Boxbid.io is an online platform that is launching soon that helps public figures and professionals in the world of boxing get sponsorships. We are proudly working with boxbid.io. Okay. Yes, this Saturday from Saudi Arabia, for better or worse, love it or hate it, it's going to happen Tyson Fury takes on Francis Ngannou. Mario, is there any chance of a miracle? Well, there's always a chance. Anytime two men (laughs) step in there and throw on some gloves, anything can happen. Now, I liken it to like a one in a million shot. That's a lottery ticket. (laughs) That's uh, a super lotto there. Hey, people hit the lotto, though. Yeah, they do. (laughs) People hit the lotto. Like I said, I don't have a problem with these sort of uh, novelty fights if they're sandwiched in between real fights, which now we know it is with Fury and Usyk. And Ghanu is like an incredibly nice guy, likable guy, dangerous, dangerous individual if you were to meet him um, in the octagon because really strong, heavy-handed, huge, athletic, can kick you, can grapple, 
um, and obviously can punch, but he can't do any of that in this ring. He he can just punch, and um, Fury, I think, will have his way with him, but we'll have fun with it, and we'll put on a show because he's an entertainer. This will be Michael Jordan taking on Wayne Gretzky in a one-on-one game of basketball. They are great. They're both incredible, all-time greats at their respective fields. But one guy is not in an octagon, and the other guy's in his natural right. habitat. Also, Ngannou, I don't know if he's ever going to be punched cleanly like the way real boxers— Like, look, these UFC guys or MMA guys have gotten really good at striking, but they don't have that ability to turn over the punches Quite like boxers. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why though, because they they can't have a boxer stance. Right. You have to have more of a wrestler stance because you have to guard the. You have to check the kicks. You have to guard the takedowns. Mm-hmm. So you're, therefore, you're not able to be in a proper boxer stance to be able to turn them over. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I've seen some of the workout footage where Ngannou's being coached <laughs> up by Iron Mike Tyson. I think it's great for the promotion. But again, uh, look, I think Ngannou is a big, strong athlete. I remember doing a story a couple of years ago when I was still at ESPN where we, they, we I did a story where I was asked to ask Joe Goosen which boxers or which UFC guys could be good and make the transition. And when Joe saw footage of Ngannou, we had a laptop at the gym. He said, you know, that guy's not bad for a big guy. He actually kind of liked him. The problem is, not that I know, has he ever been in a boxing match of any sort? Not to my knowledge, but let's say he has, and he even had an amateur background. You going to go up with a heavyweight champion? And This is like Rocky Balboa-esque. Right. <laughs> and know, unlike so. with Thunderlips, right. uh, that's a real thing. Exactly. Um, look, I don't know how well it's going to do. It's obviously going to get a lot of attention. But with Tyson Fury, I don't expect anything to really derail this because, look, he could box from the outside and be safe. And if he wanted to attack right down the middle, again, the natural mechanisms from mixed martial artists that you talk about shooting, grappling, reverse chokehold, it's not available. Right, exactly. <laughs> None of that is, is available. <laughs> this, like, I'll draw another analogy. Ngannou is like the decathlete. right? He's Daley Thompson. He could do 15 different events or 10 different or events. Like your boy Bruce Jenner. Right. Or whatever he's going by. Tyson Fury is Usain Bolt. And they are doing the 100-meter dash. So we'll just leave it at that. There is other boxing that day as we move on with the fight preview. On the zone from Cancun, Mexico. Pretty good fight here. WBC junior lightweight champion of the world. Oshaki Foster takes on the rugged, rough Rocky Hernandez. I like that fight. And also from Orlando, Florida, uh, Amando Serrano headlines against Danilo Ramos. All right, so let's go to the Ask Mario portion of this program. Here's one from Carl Brandt. Mario loves him some mariscos. Yep. But does he drink Clamato? You know what, Carl? I don't. Ironically. At all, really. I, I, I don't. I don't. But you know what I do like? Some Mario cheladas. You like you like me cheladas, don't you, Kimster? Is the Pope Catholic? Okay. Of course I do. So uh, why, why, have you not tried my Mario chilada? No, I've had that. It's good. It's good, right? Solid. It's solid. So if you like clamados, I suggest getting a michilada. It's much tastier. So try a Mario chilada. When I'm having mariscos... I will have either a chilada or just one beer. thing about beer is I feel full, so I don't want to, dig, to, to substitute uh, my mariscos. By the way, we're due for a mariscos run. Orale. You're not down? No, I'm very down. Okay. Uh, I'm down like dirt. Here's the thing about Clamato, which, and I've had plenty of it. I wish it was a little bit thicker. It doesn't have to be as thick as V8, the spicy one. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to be like tomato soup. It, Do you it, like Bloody Mary's? 
Oh yeah, I've had a lot uh, when I take early morning flights. See, I'm not a Billy Mary. You're not at all. I like that. You don't like you don't like the it? celery stick and the no, my sister, all the people. I'm not. I'm just not. I feel like I don't know. It's not. It's not enough liquor, and it's too. It's trying oh, to be no, healthy, no, no. but it's not healthy. No, no, you got to go double shot on on the thing. You, you got to go, okay. double shot. All right, but with clamato, I wish it was a little bit thicker. But I've had a lot of ice cold clamato on summer days. Um, all I could say is orale. Uh, okay. Also from Manic Eight Four. How would Terrence Crawford do against Triple G at 160 now? And wouldn't that be a good fight to stir the appetite for a Canelo showdown? That's interesting. Well, first of all, I I don't know if it's been announced, but if I assumed Triple G retired. We haven't seen him since he last 13 fought. months. Since yeah, his last Canelo. Fight. And he's had an awesome Hall of Fame worthy career. I say that without hesitation. I love me some Agreed. Triple G. If he wants to go for one more payday. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be angry at that fight. I don't know if it whet my appetite more for a Canelo one. To be honest with you, you really want to get me intrigued in that fight. Like I said, let him go up and fight Zoo, and then after that, fight Genebeck, and then bingo. Then we're ready to From go. From your lips to God's ears. And here's the thing about Gennady Golovkin. I saw him. I'm sure you may have seen it on Twitter where he's got his own energy drink. And I guess he's at some whatever version of yes. 7-Eleven. He, he looks civilized. He, he looks civilized. He looks, he looks civilized. Dad bod in effect. Yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, he's going to still have that ramrod jab, right. those heavy hands, but just, you know, my guy's putting his time. I believe the blade is now permanently dulled. He's had enough. Right. He's made his money. Yeah. And there comes he's a certain, great career. Right. When that pilot light flickers and goes off, and at his age, with the type of style that he had, and remember, he was a relatively old pro from the beginning. Correct, he who had a long amateur career. Well over 300 amateur fights for the <laughs> odometer. Um, and to me, look, he actually put on a respectable performance against Canelo last year. He actually fight. won a few rounds. Yeah, I was at that fight. So in my view, it looks to me like he has hit the civilian life. I agree. Here's one from David. If Usyk beats Fury, does he leapfrog ahead of Bud slash Inouye as the best boxer on the planet? If he wins, he is undisputed four-belt lineal heavyweight champion. He was undisputed four-belt cruiserweight champion, Olympic gold medalist, Super 6 winner, undefeated, interesting technical style, clever and crazy. That's a great, great point. And for the reasons that he just stated, I'm going to say yes. What? Yes. Whoa. You wouldn't agree? Look at the... Re- I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to repeat it. All that matter, though? Undisputed four-belt lineal. Okay, that matters. Heavyweight champion. Okay? That matters. Then he was undisputed four-belt cruiserweight yeah, champion. Different. Okay, that's... And then he just went up and he just beat the man-man in Tyson Fury. The one that, oh, that there's no doubt. On. If, there's no doubt that he's the best heavyweight in the planet. Do, do you agree with that? With Tyson if Fury? you beat someone that's 45 pounds heavier, you know what? Maybe you're not nuts. Now that that's I think about saying. it, I keep forgetting about that. He goes up that. there. Dude, he's a monster. If he somehow finished, figures out a way to beat Tyson Fury... I have no problem putting him number one pound for pound. And that is an opinion that is very feel. Here's one from Canada Chris. Do you think there will be a lot more downtime due to reduced purses while fighters adjust to whatever new broadcasting landscape exists in the near future? Mari, what did you make of <clears throat> Eddie, uh, Eddie Hearn saying, flat out, a couple of fighters and their um, managers and advisors, they don't want to take fights and all this other stuff. We're just going to release them. Like, is there a great market reset coming in boxing? I hope so. I really do because they'll take a page from the UFC and in the sense that, oh, okay, you don't want to fight next man up. And now with this new landscape, I'm hoping they're working behind the scenes and streamers are starting to get involved and it's just a passing of the torch. I'm hoping there's not a lull. 
Um, but then again, I'm your eternal optimist. I really believe the fighters that want to fight more often should be able to say, you know what, guys, let's make a deal. I just don't like the fact that a lot of fighters that are with a particular promoter who's with a particular network and they're slotted for two dates a year and there's almost no wiggle room. What if a guy's willing to say, you know what, I'll take a little less money, but I want to work off the activity right. and the exposure. Right. I think too many fighters are shoehorned and then they fall into it. And I don't know how we're going to develop stars, to be honest, if there is no recognizability on a consistent level. No one seems to point that out. And as I sit and ponder, after Canelo sets off into the sunset, who's our next pay-per-view star? Uh, well, Tank Davis. He is a star, I would say, but is he a star to that level Not without to, Ryan Garcia? Well, that was just going to point right. out. It's He needs a dance partner still. Canelo doesn't. So there's still no one at that level. Okay, outside of Tank Davis, who's had his, his problems, we don't know, you know, with, with Tank. And then with the politics involved, he doesn't even fight the guys that we want to see him uh, fight at the moment. So... I, like, unfortunately struggle to think who's going to be our next big pay-per-view star. Right, and the other issue is with managers, they are so afraid of losing. It's almost like part of their identity. If that I gets to change. Right, and, and my view is this. Look, this is a money game, but but the whole market thing needs to change. I see a lot of fighters saying, we need to be at the table, too, in terms of the great. All right, but are you speaking for yourself as an individual athlete or collective? Because we saw what was going on. Twitter last week where guys like Ryan Garcia and Terrence Crawford were kind of going back and forth with Oscar De La Hoya, who's now a promoter, who says, well, we need to be at the table. Okay, but if fighters are going to be at the table, okay, is it just going to be about my personal interest or going all the way down to the four round fighter? Because think about it in other sports. When you have a collective bargaining agreement, it's just not the LeBron James that are protected. Right. It's also the 12th man. Right. And so I, I just find that to be a very interesting dynamic in a sense that fighters say, well, we should control the money. Right. Well, fighters will say, well, I want all the money. Like Tiafima Lopez saying, ESPN's got this big budget of, of 89, 90 million. I only saw this percentage of it. And I'm like... Tio, top ranked us 30 shows and they have 80 other fighters. We got to spread the love, my man. Well, we spread well that's the love. my point, though. What about the other fighters then, Tio? That, they I'm don't saying. deserve any of the money? Speaking of Tio, I'm not mad. I actually really like the idea of him fighting Ryan Garcia, Super Bowl weekend. Do you think it would be a mistake if he took a fight prior to that? I wish he would, but he's not. And again, he's still in the prime of his career, I right? Know. Mid-20s, one fight. And that fight came in the first half of the year, early June. Mm. I know there's some personal issues that are affecting his professional decisions, but there comes a point, though, don't you have to do your job? Yeah. Um, here's a question from Canada Chris again. Do you get the feeling that Edgar Berlanga has too much say in who he fights and Jaime Munguia does not have enough? That's a great question. That is a good question. I think that's valid. I, For some reason, it seems to me that East Coast fighters get a lot more love and attention via press, social media than a lot of the guys Do in they? the West Coast. I feel... I think well, Berlanga gets a lot of heat, though, to be fair. He does, but he's getting a lot of attention and buzz both initially and even now, that's why the question is posed, as opposed to a Munguia who's got a much But he's quiet, resume. He doesn't say much, He though. is a quiet guy, but, you know, they've got guys typing for him, too. Janabek's always a social media. He doesn't, barely knows English. <laughs> you mean that? I don't you don't think, think that that's guy's, You don't think Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, by the way, that's still a fight I'd really love to see. That's still a fight I'd really like to see. You know, I'm hearing is looking good in wildcard, too. Yeah, well, he is now with Freddie Roach. Correct. Here's the issue with Berlanga. I believe that he signed on with Matchroom with a promise 
that Canelo was going to face him. Hmm. Canelo's now not under the matchroom umbrella. Munguia has set a record for turning down title shots the last two years. I think it's kind of embarrassing. I don't know if it's his handlers or him. In a perfect world, Berlanga, Munguia, 168, Wepa versus Orale, that's a real fight. I love that either on uh, Mexican Independence Day, Cinco de Mayo, or the, when they have the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Right. Any one of those three dates, make that happen. And I want to say this about Oscar, who I believe wants to move this sport forward. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to talk about the Great Reset, and we have to take a look at Showtime as a lesson that everyone has to work together, then you know what? Reach out to Eddie Hearn and vice versa and make that doggone fight. Yeah. You can't just have this be lip service. There has to actually be real sustainable actions that are going to help the sport. Mungia and Berlanga, in my view, the winner of that fight for next year or down the line, they're in the mix for Canelo. But if they're just going to wait for Canelo, both of them, I don't want to see either of them get that lottery ticket. I agree with you. Here's a question from Hamed Boxing. He makes a couple of points. Is boxing in the USA struggling to find the next pay-per-view name once Canelo retires? Who's the next big pay-per-view stars? Crawford and Gravanta Davis both couldn't crack two to three hundred K without Errol Spence and Ryan Garcia. Uh, he also makes a point. HBO Boxing and Showtime Boxing now are also gone. Are there too many pay-per-views on? Well, I was just talking about this after Canelo, right? Ironically. Um <laughs> I heard, and maybe you know a little. Uh, more about it, but the Logan Paul, um, who did he fight? Dylan Dennis. Dylan Dennis fight actually performed well. Unfortunately, there are some reports that say it didn't. Well, by what standards? Right. I heard it got close to like a million, hmm. or or even broke a million, and I was like, wow. So does that mean we get more of that? Are those the pay-per-view yeah, stars? Yeah, but isn't, isn't Logan Paul more popular than most? Like ninety-nine percent of your boxers. My son is obsessed with that prime energy drink. That's one of his Halloween costumes. He's done a master. Is he wearing job. the chain also? Dude, no, no, no. He's literally <laughs> I mean, the he's bottle. A, he's the bottle. Well, but he's not going to wear the chain, though. No, 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 no. He wants to be the bottle. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He does. I'll show you the picture of the bottle. Yeah, I, wanted to, I, I was an RC Cola when I was 12. I remember that. I was the can. Yeah, anyway. t- were you? <laughs> no. I'm telling you, that's a real, it's a real outfit. It's a real outfit. Him and his buddy are going as different flavors. My point is, they've tapped in to these. Look at it. Look at it. See, look. I just showed you the picture. They've tapped in to something with these young kids. Look, I like that they're exposing the sport, even though it looks comical when they fight and crazy to such a young audience. The more exposure, the better. But there needs to be, we need to somehow merge these worlds where like there's some legitimacy and a real fighter and star can emerge. But I am a fan of all the exposure to these fights, but I think they actually did real numbers, Kim. Yeah, I mean... I'll just say this again. Canelo, by the time he retires, will have close to 70 fights. Most of these young careers will not even have 40. I don't know how you develop a recognition with the general public. Not me, you, and other people that just cover boxing. Especially fighting twice a year. Especially fighting twice a year in your early 20s when you don't even have 25 fights. Right. I I mean, a lot of these stars put in a lot of work. And people say, well, they're just tune-up fights. No, 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 no. They're brand building also. Teofimo. If he would have stayed active on the heels of Loma, then I feel we would be talking about him as the next big pay-per-view star. He's got the talent, the skill, um, the, 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 the outlandish father with the, and, and their charismatic 
But because of the inactivity, uh, Kim, you, they wouldn't recognize him across the street outside of people who watch the game. Mario, you know what I told Tio's father? We Everyone calls him Junior. I said, Junior, this is at the beginning of 2021, a couple of months after they beat Loma. I said, Junior, if I were you, I would march in the top rank and with Todd DeBuff and Bob Aram. And I said, you know what? Let's do four fights. We don't want just two. Let's do four. Let's try to make one on ABC. But let's do a year like De La Hoya. And they didn't want to do it. They if, just, he did, if he did that, Kim, he'd probably be right in line to be the next pay-per-view star. Right. Or he would be. You're but right. instead, they did the whole Triller thing, that whole escapade. Mm-hmm. And then he lost the fight he shouldn't have to Cambosis. Actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I don't know who's going to be that next guy like a Canelo that's going to carry that sport. That's why, whatever Canelo makes, I've always said, that's earned. Absolutely. That is absolutely earned. Absolutely. Um, Look, Ma- when you're at that point, last point I'll yeah. make on that. It's very few. It was Chavez, then it was De La Hoya, and now Canelo. And they make you start... De La Hoya is responsible for making Pacquiao a star, responsible for making Mayweather a star. Who other fighter can, can you say that they faced and they've Essentially, oh, kind of made beating De La Hoya made you something. Of course, it, it put, took it's you a, it, at the very least to a different tax bracket. Absolutely. And here's even the thing with Mayweather and Pacquiao. I know it's very in vogue to say Mayweather ruined the game. Let me just point this out again. By the time Mayweather got to De La Hoya, which launched him into the money phase of his career, I want to put this in perspective. He still had 37 fights. Oh yeah, four weight championships from 30 all the way to 47, and was no worse than the second best fighter in the world. And that was about 11 years into his career. So if everybody does that before launching into the real money phase, I'd say, you know what? I'm good with it. So I, I think good. it's just too easy and convenient to blame Mayweather. To, I really do. To, to piggyback on that, he also was the product of some exceptional timing with 24-7. Because And he shoulder, exploited it. That shoulder programming yes. is what really sort of helped him and catapulted him. Right. So uh, we have an era where everyone says, well, social media and we can market ourselves. Right. And you're not fighting. Right. So that's really the definition of pissing away vitamins. It's like having an actor not, not appear in any movies. Well, you know what's funny? Um, the well, guy well, that good. played Logan Roy, his name was Brian Cox, right? Right. He did an interview, and I was binging on some of the stuff he was. He said something very interesting. He said, you know what? Even at my age, I try to take every role. And they said, why? Because I don't understand these young actors, mm. whether you're an A-lister or a medium character guy. He goes... In my view, to be as good as you want to be at anything, you have to keep doing it. And I could not get better acting doing one role a year. And he says, I never look at any role as being big or small. I look at every role as being longer and shorter in terms of the lines that I recite, but it makes me better. What a what a great perspective. And he's exactly right. Look, Santian, we talked about him earlier. You reminded me because you said Brian Cox and his name is Gallo de Oro, which is Golden Cox. Yeah. Literally, Golden yeah. Cock. <laughs> golden Rooster, but technically yeah. Golden Cock. I know that's your personal favorite. Oh, get out of but here. But Santian has an opportunity right now, based on that performance, yeah. if he were to stay busy, he can really create a lot of buzz yeah. and have some momentum and make himself a real player in this game. And by the way, Brian Cox and Giovanni Santian, they are serious people. Yes, All right, are. moving on to the final flurries. Mario, what golden happened in Cox. Abu Dhabi with the UFC? Saudi Arabia, Abu Dhabis, bro, these sheiks love them some fights. What a card. Bravo, slow 80s cap. Once again, oh, okay. To my guy, right. Dana and UFC. That's a this, this on the slow cap. Dare right. I say, was that quick on the yeah, slow quick, cap? Because I was excited. Really sorry, excited, sorry. Yeah. Timing, timing. This might be the best year ever for mixed martial ever, arts. Ever, ever? Specifically UFC. The cards they put on, we got Crawford Spence almost every weekend in MMA because of the UFC. I'll just give you the last two um, co-main and main events. 
we had Kamaru Usman, one of the greatest uh, welterweight champions of all time, going up a weight class to fight Hamzat Chemaev. Note to anyone listening or seeing us out there, never mess. I have two rules. If you're out in the street, never mess with anyone with that Lincoln beard and no yeah. mustache oh, no. or with cauliflower ears. Never mess with them. If they have those two things, you politely just walk away. Don't mess with those dudes. My guy, Chemaev, who was the Swedish. I don't know how he ended up in Sweden. He's from uh, Chechnya. He has that warlord as his homie that they pal around with. <laughs> the Putin's big guy. Oh, Dana told me a story about them. That's that's wild. But anyway, he's a nice guy. I actually trained with him and hung out with him in New York. Big guy. I don't know how he makes 185. Kamaru Usman had not been taken down in the UFC. And he was also a um, junior college national champion, really good wrestler. Chumayev took him down four times Jeez. in that fight. Complete domination in the first round. Um, took Kamaru Usman's credit. Showed a lot of heart. And a lot of people are saying that Chumayev started to gas and maybe it was fifth rounds. I'm here to tell you it was complete domination. And he deserves a title shot against Sean Strickland uh, next. It was a great, great fight, but tap, tip of the hat to Kamaru Usman for taking it on short notice. The main event, guy we love, Volkanovski. Mm, the little, little fire hydrant. The little fire hydrant took a fight on 11 days notice against, um, uh, oh my gosh, Khabib's guy. Wait, uh, uh, Makachev, Islam Makachev, yeah. okay, who's just another version 2.0 of Khabib, but a southpaw, and I think better striking. Makachev set up a beautiful head kick that busted open Volkanovski's eye in the gash and just completely knocked him out. It was beautiful. Volkanovski was in that fight, but bam, just one blow. That was all she wrote. Again, tip of the hat for taking the fight, but Makachev is a dude that is really special, probably pound for pound, best fighter in the game. It was a hell of a card, and what a way to, uh, oh, I was going to say close out the year. I'm actually going to go to the last fight, which is in December with Colby Covington versus uh, Leon Edwards. But they're going to start having more fights. Dana just signed a whole new deal with Saudi Arabia, UAE for uh, another four years. So there's going to be a lot more fights. And I like the afternoon fights, Kim. You drink, you're hanging out in the afternoon. You get to have a dinner and you can go to bed at a decent hour. The mindset Big events and these guys in less than two weeks said, I'm up. Thank you. That's exactly what I was going to point it. They said, I'm up. That's exactly right. I mean, and no, you're exact. Thank you. No excuse. You know, just saying. Yep. Just, just, just factually saying what we do. That's exactly right. Mario, rest in peace to a guy that played such a key role and became iconic as a, I don't know what you call it, a supporting actor in the Rocky <laughs> franchise, lived a full life, Burt Young. Not his real name, Italian guy. Really? Very, very Italian. Like, he was also like a Giovanni Slopiosi or something. He was like dripping with olive oil. I don't know what it was. Glad they went to Burt Young. But, um, yeah, so they named him (laughs) Burt Young. Burt Young had the Wolford Brimley thing. He looked the same age at 80 that he did when he was like, whatever he was, 30 something or something. They looked exactly the same. He didn't age. The dude didn't age. He just always kind of looked old, right? Like Morgan Freeman. He was the best curmudgeon on film ever with the got, heart with the heart got nominated <laughs> yeah got nominated for an oscar in the first rocky he was awesome awesome of course it was in the sopranos and all that but paulie man was always the best you know he um he was the type of guy i actually heard he had an amateur boxing career he did he oh. did there was some fight there was some pictures there. i, yeah, I just love that first rocky where he basically tells adrian i don't care about your thanksgiving throws out the bird oh, and, he, and he sends rocky and adrian on their date to, i think the ice skating rink yeah. and you're the camaraderie with the heart i just love the fact that uh he he him and apollo did not get along in rocky three when they went to the gym but <laughs> can, at the end can you swim with a name like rocky yeah and, but, but then at the end of their walk and he goes apollo 
You did good. You did, you did good. good. I like that. I like that. That <laughs> like, made me. That got yeah, me hard. That yeah. got me warm. Like, like, like you know, we're hard. brothers now. I we're know. Good. I like that. Like, that got me fired up. We're like the we're like the movie version of Lou Duva and George Madden. Yeah. We are now solid. <laughs> when he was partners. starting to trade, he goes, "You're trying to make him dance like a yeah. gun. You're trying right. to make him fight like a gun." <laughs> was was so he funny. the only one that was in like the first six, seven Rocky movie franchises, going all the way to Rocky Balboa? I think, I think he was so. in that one. I think he's so. Because I know that Adrian was not in one, on the last couple. Right. She died. She died. She died. Rest in peace. Nest in peace. <laughs> Mario, um, yes, you know it's true. I heard Millie Vanilli is going to have a documentary. I can't wait to watch. Now, it's not lip synced, is it? It's got great, great reviews, too. Um, it's on Paramount Plus, I believe. You might be able to find yeah. it somewhere else, but I think they got a raw deal if you think about it. They're lip syncing, but now we have a whole career of artists that have lip synced. Auto tune? We're going to, um, exactly. Auto tune? I mean, you know who was the first auto tune? We just interviewed her on the radio show. Oh, Greg Brady. No. Cher. <laughs> Cher did auto tune 25 years ago with Believe. That was a, that was a first mm. sample of auto tune, and then you know spawned careers yeah. like T Pain, and everybody uses auto tune. It wasn't even called auto tune; it was called pitch. She had a yeah. pitch machine. She said she had a pitch machine. So Millie Vanilli, I've been hearing good things about this. I want to see it, and I want to I want to report back. We should we should check this out. Um, once again, I'm going to show my age, but I actually have that first. And only album. Dude, the songs cassette. are good, dude. I'm not going to lie. They're Whoever good. Whoever did it did a hell of a job. Yeah, studio session singers. Uh, Blame it on the rain. Uh, Girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know it's true. I mean, they had great dance yeah, moves. Dude, great. I mean, I remember when they got busted. It was, I think it was in the summer of 91. Was it on SNL? No, no. Nick it was it? on a tour. They're in concert. Oh, yeah. It was, yes, you know. What's yes, yes, you know. What's yes, 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 you yes, know. Yes, and then after started. about the 10th, yes, you know. I think Rob or Fat had to run back and get the tape machine. It was really bad. I was like, yeah, God, someone fell asleep at the wheel I there. No, you can't have that. But I have a question. This is the entertainment business. We know a lot of it is engineered. We know it's built. It's a, it's a mirage. I don't know why it was such a big... I kind of get them having to give back the Grammys. But in terms of everything they did... It was part of a package. Back then, it was different, Kim. If you think about it, back then, you really had to have chops. Yes. You really had to sing. If you see some of these artists, especially from the 70s, too, you could say they had a face for radio. They didn't necessarily have, you know what I mean? It wasn't matinee idol looks, but man, they had incredible voices, right? And that was like towards the 80s is when they slowly started to kind of start to package. But you really had to have chops. Now... It's almost it the other matter. way around. It doesn't matter. You don't know who can sing. It doesn't matter who can sing. They'll still accept you and, and celebrate and you. And now I believe one of them years ago committed suicide, oh, which yeah. is sad. It's ticked, yeah, yeah. No, it's dark. But I, I'll honestly tell you, sometimes on my YouTube music, when Millie Vanilli comes up, I don't change it. Dude, it, um, it still hits. It yeah. still hits. I'm not going to lie. And Mario, finally, what's this rest space? Dude. What am I talking about here? What's All right. On? Do you know, like... With Uber, you can do everything, right? Uber Eats, yeah. you can do the dry cleaning now. There's a thing called Swimply. What? You can rent out your swimming pool for parties for people, all right? That sounds like a terrible idea. People I'll do it. People do it. A guest in here does it almost every week and make a nice make a nice money every week and they rent it out. This is the next level, and I didn't believe it was true until I talked about it on the show. They have a thing called Rest Space. You know what it is, bro? People can Uber your bathroom. If you're in the, I swear, if look at few clicks of the rest space app can book a private restroom with a verified host so that you can stay out longer doing the things that you love. Isn't that crazy? So you can be going and you got a drop. You can Uber a bathroom. You go over there. And there's available bathrooms will come up. You know, whoever yeah, whole right. house is doing it, right? They go and hi and they're at the door. Okay. Restroom's right over there. And then you drop and they charge like a dollar a minute. 
So if you want to post up there for 20 minutes, that's on you. And it depends. I have that Toto toilet, though. I have this one toilet that I should be able to charge more. Should be able to charge. I did not believe it, but we did on the show, and it's actually, it's an actual real thing. It's an Uber bathroom. Would you let people come and drop in your bathroom? No. I would. I've seen the way the Airbnbs have gone. No. Isn't that wild? I That's wouldn't a, do This it. is a real thing. But again, at the same time, it does beat having people drop deuces in your in your bushes and your shrubs or just pissing on your sidewalk. It's just in L.A. What's just in L.A.? Oh, when they do yeah. that? Yeah. Bro, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, in California, basically, <laughs> I've seen on Hollywood Boulevard, Hollywood Boulevard, where the, I'm going to get the star. I've seen people... Literally just drop trout and go to town. Oh, wait, you and go by to the San- way, no, and by the way, not wipe. Just boom, go about the business. Wait till you go to San Francisco for Haney Pro Gray. Uh, I would suggest that you wear Timberland boots. And you know what's crazy too, Kim? I've seen homeless people with phones, mm-hmm. so, right? You've seen a lot of homeless people with phones, so they can a homeless person can blow you up. Yo, yeah, I'm here to I'm here to do my <laughs> business, and then they go about doing this is a real thing. But on a I'm going to ser- send it to you because I know you like to post up and go. No, but but on a serious note. Who would want strangers Rest just face. coming in and out of their home, though? Someone who is hard up for money, I guess. Because who? Why would you want to just have if Mario you, stopped and used someone's bathroom and ate a meal during the Boston Marathon? That's true, I did, but they didn't charge me. They didn't charge <laughs> it was me. This. It, it was way before this. It was way before this. This is a true thing. It's currently offered in San Diego, Orange County, and L.A. Of course, <laughs> but it's spreading. Uh, and it it's needs gonna be to off be in San little... Francisco. Isn't that crazy? It's cra- yes, crazy as hell. No, I wouldn't do Even it. Even if you had a guest house. No, no. What if the guy becomes a squatter? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm thinking of every angle here. He's I'm already like, squatting. Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, pal, that's All a right. that's a real thing. Just something for you to consider. I just want to throw it out there. Well, that is a real pisser. Anyway, uh, if you want to sponsor our fine program, once again, a reminder, email us, info at boxbid.io. On behalf of Mario Lopez, Smokington, Frazier, and Tino on the edits, that's it for the three knockdown rule. Till next week, goodbye, everybody.